Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. And introduce our buddy Andy Brickley of Nesson, who joins us on the AT&T Hotline. Brick, Mutt, and Lou, how are you? I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I wish I was in Buffalo covering a game tonight. But uh, NBC's got the exclusive, so I'm local. You're back to work Saturday, correct, Brick? That's right. Uh, you're back to work Saturday. Peter's- Buffalo is beautiful this time of year. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, guys, see, guys, see Brad Mar- Marchand's tweet. He tweeted out, "Shocker." It's cold and, and uh, dreary in Buffalo again. Shredded Buffalo last Surprise. year. Surprise. <laughs> oh, I love that he rips uh, on Buffalo every now and then. The, the job will, is already underway, not for the Bruins. They will play tonight, but for Peter Shirelli, Brick, and I know we've addressed this question over and over again. With a week before the deadline, the next time we'll talk to you will probably be deadline day. With a week to go, what's the Bruins' biggest need or needs as you see it before next Wednesday? I think it all starts with how you evaluate what's going on along the blue line. This is a team that prides itself on goaltending team defense, uh, some strong penalty killing, and then that balanced offense is somewhere further down in terms of priority. And if you have that uh, that type of analysis, then I think you have to look real closely at the group of six or seven that they have on the blue line right now and say, is this group good enough, deep enough to carry us to an Eastern Conference uh, final? and get us to a Stanley Cup final, an opportunity to win this thing. And I think that's what has to be addressed because, in my evaluation, I would like to see them add something significant along the blue line. Yeah, and I think we're talking about Peter Shirelli, and I think that he is extremely underrated. Maybe not for those that appreciate him. They'll, they'll know what he has done, and I, I trust what he will do, even though he says a couple weeks back talking about depth. Now, I was talking about as a general manager, the last thing you want to do is throw names around, right, and say the, our defensemen aren't good enough. So whatever he says publicly is fine, but don't you feel like deep down he kind of knows that there is a gaping hole with Dennis Seidenberg not on this team? Yeah, I don't know if it's gaping, but there's certainly a hole there. And, uh, you know, you think about what Peter's able to do along with his management team and the scouting crew. You know, identify a guy like Tory Krug and go out and pay maybe a couple extra dollars to make sure he comes to Boston. You make a deal for Barkowski when nobody really makes notice of it or takes notice of it. You draft a kid like Dougie Hamilton uh, in the first round. You identify a player like Kevin Miller and allow him to play in the American Hockey League and learn how to be a good depth defenseman. And those guys are all significant pieces to what the Bruins have been able to uh, put together and accomplish and pile up points to this point in the regular season. But as we know, the playoffs are a different animal, and you're talking about very little experience there in that foursome. Now you have Johnny Boychuk because of the absence of uh, Adam McQuaid as well due to a lot of injuries over the last year plus, almost two years and, of course, Dennis Seidenberg being on the lineup. Now you have Chara Boychuk. That's your one-two combination. And I think you're a really strong defense if Boychuk's somewhere in your top four, but maybe not your top two. And that's certainly not a, you know, an indictment on his play because I love his game and I love how, how game he is, as a matter of fact, to speak to his character. But if you can go out and acquire or certainly add to the players that you have on the blue line as well as they've played, now I think you have a much better chance when you get into the postseason. You know there's going to be injuries. You know there are certain matchups that you're looking for based on the opponents that you're going to draw. And if you can have, you know, seven, eight NHL caliber 
and maybe even a top two, three that might not be there right now, I think your chances certainly improve as far as uh, going where you want to go and reaching the goals that you set for yourself. Well, let me pin you down then, Brick. Are you talking about, is it Dan Girardi? Would he be the number one guy on your list? We've talked to you about Andrew McDonald in the past. One of those two? Is there somebody else that would, would catch your fancy in the oh, potential trade uh, targets for the Bruins? If I acquired Buffalo, Lou, he would play forward for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would start right there. Uh, you know, when he won a Stanley Cup with Chicago, he was basically a forward and did a lot of damage in front of the net. Uh, not a guy I want on the back end uh, of my blue line, the way the Boston Bruins are constructed and the way they play and what is required of the position. As far as the other two players, and I don't like to get into names, guys, but I would put Girardi higher, in fact, much higher than I would put McDonald, regardless of left shot, right shot. But now if you're talking about a guy like Girardi, here's where it changes. If you're just trying to add depth, you probably won't have to subtract from your roster, your current roster. But if you're going to go get a player of significance or an impactful defenseman, let's say, you're going to have to subtract, and it's going to have to be significant in terms of either an existing player or certainly draft picks. The Bruins have proven in the past the draft picks, for the most part, uh, are things that they'd be willing to deal with and maybe make subsequent deals later on to re- reacquire draft picks. But I think you'd have to lose at least one piece of your existing roster in order to go get a, a defenseman of that magnitude. Brick, let me ask you about Dougie Hamilton. He's 20 years old, right? And he's, he's, he's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger. Is there a nasty edge that maybe he needs to find, or is just toughness in the corners? Is that good enough for a guy like that? Um, no, that's part of the game that has to come. Uh, it's not something that you can rush, Lou. It's something that a player, each individual, has to grow into. Uh, maybe we'd like to see it get there a little sooner, but uh, certainly play with my share of players and went through it myself that uh, that's something that comes, but you can't rush it. There are certain experiences, I guess we'll call it, to put uh, quotations around it, where all of a sudden you start to realize that you can play maybe a little bit more aggressively. Uh, maybe you can get into a situation where the gloves come off a little bit more frequently, and all of a sudden you understand just how much you can do and how much force you can exert and how much toughness that you have that you didn't realize that you had, especially when you have the size that Dougie Hamilton has. So uh, it's not something that can be rushed, but I certainly know that it will get there. And uh, and when it does, it's all part of that matura- maturation process because he's going to be a terrific player for a long time. So you think that that nastiness, that toughness can actually come in time? Because I know he, there's been yes. talks about, I know Joe McDonald wrote about a while ago, he said he think he got in two fights in juniors in like three and a half years, hasn't dropped the gloves here at all. That, so that's just more of a confidence thing, learn to be aggressive both just in the ice and as far as dropping gloves go as well. It can come. Yeah, and I'm not saying that every player 100% has that experience. Some guys just go through their whole NHL career and that doesn't materialize. It doesn't happen. But I don't think that's the case with a guy like Dougie Hamilton. I just think it's that, uh, you know, it's that experience that he has to go through, that he has to, he has to live through. Uh, you know, maybe it's manifested in a situation where he gets in a fight and it goes his way, or it goes the opposite way, but it becomes an understanding of what's, uh, what I am capable of and what I can withstand and how I am received by my teammates. And I think that's the biggest piece of it. Uh, it's not always win or lose. It's, you know, showing up. And I think, uh, and I'm not necessarily talking about fights. I'm talking about, you know, hits and, and going against bigger guys, stronger guys, more more feared players in the league, even though we've kind of gotten away from that kind of hockey. But I think it's that experience that will go a long way to making Dougie Hamilton a much better player. We're talking to Andy Brickley of Nesson. 25 games to go, eight back-to-back, six of those the month of March, Brick. I made my case last hour that 
the health of this team is more important than the seeding of it. And I think that there's got to be a balance in how much these guys play. How will that manifest itself? Will guys just have entire nights off? Do you think Johnson gets half the games? How will uh, Claude Julian work that these final 25? Well, I think you're going to see a little of that already starting tonight, the fact that Tukaraz didn't even make the trip. Uh, you know, you think about what his experience was uh, over in Russia, the fact that he was too ill to play that gold medal playing game. I mean, you had to be really sick for Tuka not to be able to play that game and then come, play, come back and play real well and medal and get the bronze. But now you're talking about travel and time zones and the fact that he dealt with an illness. So here's your first example of it right now tonight. Rash not even on the trip. Now the question is, are you concerned about a guy like Zdeno Chara in terms of what you're talking about as far as managing minutes and maybe getting nights off considering the number of back-to-backs? Chara's workload, you know, the type of minutes that he has to play against the opponents he has to play against, and add to that the absence of the Dennis Seidenberg to take the conversation full circle about you know, coming back to the defense and what the Bruins need to do. That's a concern. So I would expect Chara to be one of the focuses for the Bruins as far as not necessarily trying to chase down Pittsburgh, but certainly win your division and continue to put points up. Hey, they won three out of four points with Chara when he left for the Olympics early in a tough game in St. Louis and then a strong blowout game against Ottawa. So they know that they can win without him. So that becomes an opportunity to rest him. I'm not as concerned so much about Bergeron and Krejci, given where they are in their careers. They're, they're certainly young enough in the early portion of their primes as far as their NHL career is concerned. Yeah, they played significant minutes over in Russia, but I think uh, I'm not as concerned. Bergeron got off to maybe a slow start this year, given what he went through in the playoffs a year ago. Uh, but I have less concern for those two guys. Erickson needed to play hockey. Yeah, needed to play hockey over in uh, in, in uh, Sochi, and he seemed to be he seemed to be finding his game more and more a little bit before the break. He seemed to have some chemistry with Soderberg in particular. The two Swedes. Seemed to slide into that third line instead of the pressure being in the top six. Uh, that seemed to be paying dividends. And his awareness when you watched him play, although it was the bigger ice surface, his awareness of all the moving parts going on around him seemed a lot keener, a lot sharper when you come back from injuries. That's the one thing you have to be concerned about when you're coming back from a concussion is that awareness seemed a lot better in the Olympics. So that's what I'm looking for. And he needs to continue to play. So maybe the break was good for him in terms of playing hockey. Uh, and then you think about, you know, that's one player from each line. You know, you get the Bergeron line, the Krejci line, the third line with Erickson, and then your fourth line's intact. And I'm looking for that line to have a significant impact here in the month of March because they have familiar, familiarity, they have that chemistry, that togetherness, and they understand their role. And as far as the forward line combinations, I think that's a blessing for Boston given how grueling this month of March is going to be. Brick, is Chris Kelly just way too valuable on the penalty kill, or is that something to keep an eye on with a guy like Ryan Spooner behind him? Yeah, I don't want to get bogged down, uh, Lou, in, uh, you know, in a bad year that he had a year ago. I think that's unfortunately one of the memories that a lot of Bruins fans take with them. Difficult regular season, the numbers were terrible in the postseason, the third line, which was so valuable in 2011, was kind of an Achilles heel a year ago. What the Bruins like about him, of course, is that compete factor, his his defensive side of the puck, the fact that he plays through people. He's pretty good in the face-off circle. He's a great penalty killer, as you point out. They feel he's a valuable commodity when you start talking about postseason hockey. That being said, if you're going to go back and you're going to try to get an impactful player and, and, and you're willing to subtract, now you start looking at contracts, what players are are going to be unrestricted or restricted free agents? What are you willing to deal? 
And I think that's where it starts to get a little bit more cloudy in terms of how do you put your team together going to April, May, and June. Rick, I'll get you out on this. You spent an hour with us last week. It was great talking Olympic hockey. You know, you had high hopes for the team. Uh, USA against Canada uh, did not get it done. Your quick synopsis the final two games for Team USA. I don't think disappointing would cover it. You know, not that I had an emotional investment in, in Team USA, but, you know, having gone and played some international hockey throughout my career and represented the United States and wearing the red, white, and blue, I was hopeful that they were going to medal, and they put themselves in a strong position to do just that. That was, The game they lost to Canada, the one nothing, as as you guys well know, was not a one nothing game. If not for Jonathan Quick, that's right. a totally different score and a totally different feeling. You know, you can come away and rationalize and say, well, that was, you know, the difference was a goal, the difference was one shot. No, it wasn't. That was a team that schooled you on how to play on a big stage, an important game, and, and it was very disappointing by Team USA. But then to go and have a chance to still medal, that's why you go there. That's why you want to play. It doesn't have to be gold or nothing. A chance to, to represent your country again in a medal game and to play the way they did a complete no-show, and the players on that team told you that it was a no-show, certainly the leaders, and, uh, and, and, and disappointing would not cover it. It was, it was almost disgusting, the feeling you had you know, after that bronze medal game that Team USA played the way they did and couldn't score a goal in six period in such meaningful games. Brick, great stuff. I know you don't want to have them, but a couple extra days off. We'll see you Saturday as the <laughs> Bruins uh, get back on Nesson. We'll talk to you on trading deadline day next week. And be sure to tune in Sunday, too, for the Bruins Rangers on NBC because they're going to allow me to do that game as well. Oh, oh nice I like that. We'll nice. be, of course, we'll be tuned into that, Brick. Good job. <laughs> All right, fellas. There you All go. Right, Andy Brickley joining us. Texas says Brick is an expletive tier one analyst. We agree. Love having him on.